Hustlers, welcome back. Our next guest is a singer, saxophonist, producer, songwriter, and artist. He's also an assistant professor of the pop music and music production programs at the USC Thornton School of Music. He has worked extensively in live television, both as a music director and a solo performer, as well as working with artists ranging from Carlos Santana, Bruno Mars, Mary J. Blige, and Michael Buble, just to name a few. Now, the dictionary defines truth as the quality or state of being true or that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. And ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is the truth when it comes to music. His name is Sean Holt, and he's sitting down with us here today on Welcome. Thanks for having Welcome, me. Mr. Sean Holt. I love the set, man. This looks so good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't know if you noticed, I, I felt the need to say Mr. Sean Holt. Oh, don't do it, man. The respect is there. As I mentioned, you're a singer, you're a saxophonist, producer, the list. Mm. What do you consider yourself first? Yes. <laughs> I'm highly hyphenated. Yes. <clears throat> I've got people in town that only know me as a horn player that have never heard me sing. And I've got people in town that uh, where the opposite is true. Well, I, only know me as a singer. Never heard me play the horn. I met you thinking you were a horn player, right? And right. then at that same gig, you had to do a Sinatra tune, and I'm like, oh, okay, right? right. Should I go home? <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You should not. Um, also, you're at USC. Mm. You're at USC, and that's one of the main reasons why we wanted to have you and talk about the academic side of the music business, Certainly. the music world. Certainly. So many kids want to attend USC, but only a select few get accepted. Who is the ideal student, and what are you guys looking for? Mm. Obviously, these kids have, uh, have worked really hard at their craft. Um, they're very, very talented. Uh, but as you know, talent's not enough to get it done. I tell my right. kids all the time, the talent's the ante to sit down at the table, but that does not necessarily play the hand, right? Yeah, I like that, yeah. So um, these kids are very talented. They're very intelligent. Um, I laugh. I went to. I got my master's at USC back in the 1900s, and and I, <laughs> I'm I'm quite sure that I couldn't get I couldn't get accepted to that program now. Uh, the quality. The uh, bar is that high now. The bar is that high. Yeah. You know, we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applicants across these different platforms, and academically, they're just really, really put together. More importantly than that, though, I think socially, they're really interesting people that are very, very diverse. Uh, a lot of them um, come from interesting backgrounds, and they've, there's not one single uh, focus or, or goal that, uh, that those students have. They all come in with very, uh, very different, beautiful, diverse expectations of what they want that program to do for them. Is USC considered like, I'm going to specialize in a, a, a part of the music industry? I know a lot of people go to Berkeley for performance. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a great question. Um, the program that I'm in is the Contemporary Division of the Thornton School of Music. So there, we still are considered to be um, one of the top conservatories in the United States. Mm -hmm. The Contemporary Division operates a little differently, and, and we keep our eye not only on the, the practicum of what it means to get our instruments and our skill sets very, very developed. We've always got our eye on how am I going to move out into the world and go to work. So it has a vocational aspect to it that... I'm sure conversations are going on uh, at Berkeley and MI and some of these other schools. In order for us to compete um, and make sure that we 
come through on our promises to these students. It can't only be about um, how fast you can play your harmonic minor scales. Uh, we have to get these kids' expectations uh, met and managed. Talk about what it looks like to get out there and do this for a living. Real life situations. Real life situations. But what about, let's talk to the kids that maybe have that same talent, have same skill set. For the sake of this interview, let's just say they can't afford to go to USC. Sure. What's your take on self-learning, on the self-learning route? It's, I think the real work has to be self-initiated, whether or not you're at a major university like USC, taking very expensive English 101 classes, or, <laughs> or at a community college, or sitting at home on lynda.com. Um, the only people who win in this industry are the ones who self-initiate knowledge, right? Right. So we can set up these curricula um, and these classes for these kids to move through, but at the end of the day... They don't win if they don't get out and, and make this a lifelong quest for knowledge and, and relationships and, uh, and skill. You don't have to be at a, at a world-class four-year academic, uh, in an academic setting like that uh, to win in this business. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about someone that is going to USC? You guys are obviously helping them with honing their craft, mm. putting them in real-life situations. But the value of the network... Um, when does one go from a student to getting work? The day they start school. Mm. And here's the thing that I make my students aware of the day they show up. It's kind of like the, uh, the old uh, movies where they all show up in law school and look to your left, look to your right. You know, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe they don't know that reference, yeah. but maybe that's old too. Anyway, yeah. I tell them, look around. Um, whether you know it or not, the way you move through these classes has everything to do with whether or not that bass player is going to hire that drummer the minute you guys move your tassel from their left to the right. So you're building resume, you're building credentials, you're building accountability, you're being vetted while you're in class. Because what happens invariably is that some of those kids are going to get out of there and they're going to get an opportunity just because they're magnetic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they get a chance to get on a, in, a, in a place that they are aware the only reason they're there is because they're young and they're talented and they're cheap, right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with right. that at all. That's the way all of us move into our first opportunities. Mm-hmm. But what happens is the young bass player gets out, of cha- uh, gets out of school, goes on a cattle call, open audition, walks in the room and blows Gwen Stefani away, which is what one of our students did at USC. Next thing out of their mouth is, yo, man, you're killing it. Have, do you know any young drummers? Do you know any young guitar players? And in that instant... The network. The network. They look back to how that drummer or those drummers behaved in class? What were they doing in the way of their preparation? Did they show up late to rehearsals, right? Because in that moment, their entire, the biggest thing they've ever come across is in the balance. And if they bring some guy or gal in to this opportunity that doesn't have their same work ethic, it's a wash, right? They, they, they really hurt themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So we make it very clear to the students very early that you're building resume here whether you know it or not. And um, we keep them on point, keep them, hold them to task. Good news is that most of the people that don't really pull their weight around there don't, don't make it all the way through. Um, it's way too difficult to succeed in that environment if you're, if you're half-stepping. Nowhere to in hide. school, out of school, that is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Uh, 2018. In your opinion, is it better to be a master of one thing or to be well-versed in many things? It all works. Um, I've only worked because I do a myriad of things pretty well. I've 
been able to work in this town because I save people money. It's real practical. Yeah, yeah. If you hire me as a saxophone player and you find out that I sing and I play second keyboards and I've got, I know my way around a widow, right? Just a little bit. Not yeah. like you. But, but no, 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 but no, enough, no, 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 no. But enough, right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you know, uh, people that are, are managing spreadsheets say, wait a minute, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at paying him a little bit more for that weekly rate. Those other three people are not needed in this and we can go out a little bit more lean when we go out or, or do that TV show or do that other thing. That's worked for me. However, some of my dearest friends in this town do one thing and kill it, right? And they're the top call at what they do. And they've mastered that one. They've mastered that thing. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm the first to tell you that I'm the master of none. Um, I'm not the best saxophone player in Los Angeles. I'm not the best singer. I'm not the best producer. Probably not the best teacher. But I'm passionate, Mm -hmm. and and I'm engaged, and I'm committed, and I'm tireless. And and so those things that are uh, outside of, one could argue, the the musical aspects of what I do. Um, see me standing when a lot of other people have, you know, worn out. How important is it for a horn player coming up in LA to be able to sing and play then? Because we just talked about saving money. I so, created a class at USC called the Vocal Edge. The whole premise for the class, it even states in the, uh, in the, uh, in the syllabus, the first question that a music director asks about you is, what kind of person is this guy, right? Do I want to be on a bus with them? Do I want to be trapped on a soundstage in a break room with these people? What's their hang like? That's the first question. Because if their name came up, you're assuming that they're talented. Yeah. Right? Because nobody's going to serve up anybody that can't play their instrument. The second question is, are they bad at what they do? Man, is the guy, can he play? Can he, you know, can he really bring it? Right. Of course, the answer is a very quick yes. Mm -hmm. Whoever's hyping that person up. The third question always is, do they sing? Right? Do they sing? Do they sing? Guitar player, do they sing? Can you sing? Now, are we talking about singers like us? No. Right? That's not, that's not part of the conversation. Sing if you're out there working, can you hold pitch? Can you sing back? Can you, can you hold- sing that fifth yeah. in that harmony? Can you, uh, can you blend? Do you know what principles of blend sound like? Right? Can you change your tone color? Small things, right? Now, I have this class where drummers, bass players, guitarists roll through, and somewhere along the way, 90% of them got scarred. Mama went, baby, you should just play guitar. Stick to that guitar, because that singing thing is not working for you. Right? Yeah. You were made to believe that maybe singing belonged to you, but singing belongs to all of us. Everyone can sing. Everyone can sing. Everyone can sing. My criteria for being in that class is pitch matching. So everybody shows up to class the first day, and if I don't know you, you come down for literally a very, very rudimentary pitch matching exercise where I play three notes in a row. If you can sing them back to me, you're in my class. The rest of it I can show you, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I will tell you that without fail, almost every student that's gotten out of USC to land big jobs, and we've got kids playing with Katy Perry and... um, you know, Vampire Weekend and, and you know, really, really big bands. Um, there's not a single one of them that hasn't had to sing. And when they're asked, do you sing? The answer is yes. Yes, I can. Exactly. That. It's everything. That is amazing. And everyone can sing. Absolutely. I'm a believer in that. I agree. I mean, put in the work. Yeah. But everyone can sing. So check it out. While Sean takes me through the USC admission process, here's another production tip from John Kubis.
What up, Beat Warriors? Welcome to another Logic Production Minute in 40 seconds. Just finished that fire track, but now you need to send it to Dave Pensado to mix? How about Manny Mariquin? You know those guys don't mix in Logic, right? It's chill. Logic will print your entire project stems with your plugins to WAV files with just a couple clicks. First, select your whole project for safety using Command-A. Then click File Menu, Export, All Tracks as Audio Files. Now let's get some sane settings. Save Format Wave, Bit Depth 24-Bit, Normalize Overload Protection Only, pick a folder to save, click Export, and in a minute or two you'll have delicious snacks ready for your favorite Mix Engineers Pro Tools rig. For more tips like this, go check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash johnkubis. Everybody thought he was just a keyboard composing genius. I thought he just made charts. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on The Hustle. Sean Holt is joining us today. I have a question. Yeah. Even if some people go to a four-year university and get this great education, why is it that there's still only a certain amount of people working? That's a Man, that's the million-dollar question. That's the one. Which might not even include those people that went to that college. It might not include those people. One would hope that it would. Yeah. What we have to do is we have to back up away from the music and realize at the end of the day that we as musicians are in the people business. If you walk into a situation and everybody's trying to figure out whether or not they're going to be able to survive you before they can even get to your talent, you might not get to hang around very long, right? In sales, they call that um, uh, you know, becoming a solution to the problem, right? If I'm a shoemaker and you need shoes, um, I have to show you why the stuff that I'm making is going to be a really is going to you know save your feet, and keep you from calluses, and make you be able to walk you know or run that much further. Right? Music's not unlike that at all. We have to become solutions to problems in order to be invited into rooms. Sometimes that's um, can you be in the room and as a young person, do you know how much or little to talk? Do you know how to not help your way out of a job? Always talk less. That's right, young people. <laughs> um, you know, you're there, you're there again because uh, you're talented, you're young, and you're cheap, and you're beautiful, mm -hmm. right? Don't be mad about it. Yeah, seize that. But you don't have to walk in and tell the 30-year veteran on the base that his E's flat. You might help yourself out of a job, mm -hmm. right? Even if he is flat. Even if he is flat. Let the man be flat till somebody you know, his age tell him, right? So some of this is social IQ. Some of this is knowing how to be in the room with very strong personalities. We're all alphas mm -hmm. <clears throat> for the most part. Yeah. We're all very, very um, driven, uh, you know, assertive individuals. And sometimes it, part of the skill is being able to move in, be a solution to the problem, whatever that problem is. And that may just mean the problem that day just may be. I need a saxophone player who can speak when spoken to, burn when the solo comes, sit back in that section kind of, a, you know, in that really cool way with the trombone and trumpet player when, uh, you know, when I don't need you to be all that in a bag of chips, right? Right. Do you know when it's not about you, right? Um, oh, that... These are big lessons. Let's touch a little bit on that. I, I find the circle uh, when you start doing a little bit, you know, higher profile gigs... It's the same people getting the same gigs, per se, and people on the outside are like, why is he always getting that? Look, um, if you see the same people, then you start to realize, again, those people are always capable of solving whatever particular problem has come up. That may be a session that needs background singers. That may be a TV show that needs a multi-instrumentalist. There is a need, and you've arrived to meet it, and you know how to behave at the end of the day. Um, look, we're not talking about self-deprecating behavior. 
there are moments when you're in a situation where you've been quiet on a soundstage all day long, and then an executive producer says, let's get Sean to do it. In that moment, you've got to be able to shine. You've got to know how to find your light. You've got to go from mm -hmm. being invisible for the entire day to he points or she points to you, and all of a sudden in that moment, bam, you know how to show up like you did in your eighth grade play, right? Showbiz. Yeah, Showbiz. That's why we're here. You, you know how to turn it on, and you're ready, right? And then they go, I don't know. I thought I liked that idea, but um, <laughs> Never I think mind. we're going to go with Candace. Go have a seat. And in that moment, you've got to be able to take your ego, pack it up, you know, and carry it back with you over mm -hmm. to your quiet spot right. because something else is going to materialize, right? Now, that is, um, that's not something everybody can do. This is a vicious uh, business on, on precious egos. Got to get over that fairly early. Yes, you do. Right? Yes, you do. I think that has a lot to do with the difference between what I would consider to be, um, you know, stars versus craftspeople, craftsmen. Mm. So let's talk about that. Let's talk mm. about then the craftsmanship route mm. and the star artist route. Mm. Those are two different ways of being in the world. Look, a, a pop bass player who also sings on the road, I could make an argument that while they are artistic, um, there, there's a very practical side of what it means for them to plug into an organization and, that, and therefore they also have a, a strong kind of, they're classified as kind of a craftsperson, right? right? Hey, and there's they, value, there's, there's high value in that. There's great value, yeah. right? That doesn't mean they can't pursue their own original music. That doesn't mean they can't get out there and be creating their own albums and doing both. We, this town's full of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, great um, talent that has a, that's made room for um, what it means to get out there and make a living playing the music of other people and then also have their artistry on the side that they're pushing. And sometimes it gives way to their, only their pursuits, right? Um, the, the artist paradigm that I'm talking about usually has a little bit less to do with talent, a little bit more to do with uh, the way one thinks about themselves. Um, I've worked for a lot of artists that just don't want to play anybody else's music, right? Sometimes they're not even capable, right? It's yeah, not unusual right. for a very, very driven artist to be completely uncomfortable, fish out of water in a jam session because they haven't done the work to figure out what it would look like to play Autumn Leaves or to jump in and sing this particular repertoire of which they needed to know two to three hundred songs just to be a welcomed addition to the party. Mm -hmm. That kind of person might only know their 11 songs. And those 11 songs can take them. And those 11 songs may get it done for them to, to reach the highest peaks. Right. Right. Artists aren't always necessarily the most talented people in the room. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, agree and with I think that. there's a practical edge to kids that want to go study in a conservatory setting they're almost too practical to be artists if that makes sense because they're there they're all about process they're all about right. gaining acquiring information artists are like get me there as fast as, as, as possible, possible and make sure care. the lights are on when i take my spot right um nothing wrong with that these are not this isn't binary these aren't mutually exclusive nothing's more valuable than the other it's it's these are different ways of being in the world yeah right no there are some people that um earn their living while they're working on their artistry there are some people that i talk to my students about this i tell them you need to decide whether or not you're capable of doing music adjacent jobs right music adjacent means selling reeds at a music store while you're working on your path. Yeah. Music adjacent may mean sharpening pencils at Capitol Records. Music adjacent may mean working in a theme park, doing a Western show as a singer, when what you really want to do 
is follow that path over here with your original music. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those kinds of jobs are enough to kill the spirit of a young creative person because they can't figure out a way to hold all these paradigms at the same time, right? For some kids that are working on their artistry, it'd be more beneficial to them to make coffee at Starbucks or stock um, plumbing parts at Home Depot because they don't have to bring their their heart their and their soul yes. and their art into that into environment. That. And therefore, they're a little bit more shielded from um, the, 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 the more delicate and sensitive parts of their, of their creative self. And then they can move back into this thing over here less influenced and, and, and less browbeaten by what it might have meant to have been in a music, what I call a music-adjacent job. Right, right. And we right. do that. I still do it. That, that's, that's a path I've taken. That's hey. the hustle. That's why we're, we're shining light on that. Which proves that there's no one way to get this done. Right. And it really comes down to authenticity, and it comes down to you, know, you knowing what it is that makes you tick and going for it. Can you not talk about the importance of music education when now more than ever, much of our pop music is being made by simply you know, clicking some dots in the MIDI mm. files. That only happens in popular music styles, okay? So if I want to be, if I want to compete in piano concerto competitions around the world, yeah, you're not. Um, I don't get to open up Logic and and uh, and blow through that room, right? So yeah. popular music uh, and that entire uh, paradigm um, doesn't require necessarily somebody to have um, all of this extensive theory knowledge and extensive you know other stuff sometimes it's the people that don't have the knowledge that are more capable of staying out of their own way because they understand there's a market I know what they want to hear I know how to give it to them bam, bam let's go yeah. right yeah I think musicians get trapped sometimes in what in, in our process we get trapped in what it means for is us. that ego or is that process well it's both I think we start to defend what we've spent time in so if somebody's handed me a, a 10,000 hour paradigm, you know, that whole thing, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to be a master at anything until I've experienced my 10,000 mm -hmm. hours. If that's my paradigm, I'm going to defend it. So if I'm at hour number 1783 and I see some person over here who's killing the game, hour who has spent 15 yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be disappointed with that person. But at the end of the day, popular music, though, has never required... Um, masters of, of our... It's not a requirement. It doesn't mean it can't exist there. Obviously, Aretha Franklin had done 10,000 10, hours in her father's church before she ever got out there and got busy, right? Absolutely. There's an example of how those things can be conflated, where you've got a true master at their craft hitting the marketplace in a time when there was an appetite for what she did, right? And we could talk, we could talk about great songs and these vehicles that take these people to uh, to these to these heights to these heights who happen to also be incredibly masterful at their craft but it's not a prerequisite on the flip side how important is the ability to read and write notation even while some programs are considering removing some of these courses from the curriculum due to the rise of popular music and their programs I think these are just decisions that we make um, I tell my students all the time you're a great player um, that'd be like saying, you're a great talker. If I put something in front of you that I want to share that has a little bit deeper knowledge or maybe something a little bit more historical perspective, if you can't, can't read, read it, that. you can't learn it because I'm not going to sit around to tell you all about it, right? So reading, writing, speaking the language, this is a language. And it really has to do with whether or not the student wants to be able to immerse themselves in all three aspects of that.
right? Do right. I want to be able to read it? Do I want to be able to hear it and understand it, comprehend it? And do I want to be able to speak it? So you're saying it's a choice. It's a choice. I would, as a person who spent many hours working my craft, always advocate for, and with my students do advocate, and we're on a track that advocates for reading, mastering, reading, yeah. writing, you know, all these other kinds of things. We talked about singing, mm. but being a horn player and the importance of doubling on the rhythm section, is, that, is, that, is there value there? Today there is. Um, you know, horns have always uh, enjoyed this little dance in and out of popular favor, right? So you can find a certain decade that might have had a horn on everything, right? Think about Sanborn being on everybody's <laughs> record back in the yeah. 80s, right? Yeah. And then the 90s, you know, you don't hear him on anything. Or Brecker, you know, who's having this amazing jazz career and then he's playing, you know, on Carly Simon albums and, you know, whatever. So this horns in particular have always um, come in and out of favor around popular music uh, production. The good news for us is that, especially saxophone players, uh, we're usually the first horn that gets hired. If there's one horn, that's usually a saxophone player. Um, there are exceptions. And then if there's two, usually it's a trumpet joining that sax. And then if there's three, they, they've added a trombone. You know, there's not going to be saxophone on every song for the most part, right? Unless I'm out there playing big band music. Right. Or horn, but popular music, or horn driven you're music. not playing on everything. If I'm in Tower of Power, if I'm out there playing Blood, Sweat, and Tears tunes, if we're talking about music that got delivered and or, or, or released in the last 5 to 10 to 15 years, saxophone's only going to be in, you know, maybe 2 to 3 out of 20 songs, right? So am I worth putting in the band? And if I'm... St- just a saxophone player, am I a solution to a problem through that, throughout that entire evening or only for nine minutes out of an hour and a half set? Yeah. So I think it's um, a lot of us come up, uh, a lot of saxophone players and, and horn players come up on keyboards. I don't know why more than guitar, but I certainly think that a lot of us come up playing piano and, and then we move into the horn. And so it's not uncommon for some of us to, to double on keys, and I've done a lot of work that way. Is, is, is there a correlation between uh, sax players and piano? I don't know if it's a correlation. I know it ends up being a thing. Some of uh, the best LA saxophone players in the, in the, in the country can play keys. Play it's like keys. A, yeah. But, but it's just. I don't know. I don't know. If, a, I don't think that's um, by design. I mean, look at Arturo Sandoval, man. That guy will make you think he's a keyboard player first. Right, right. right so it is. may be a horn phenomenon. Mm. Maybe there's a, certainly trombone players are some of the best arrangers because they hear all those inside voicings, right? And uh, not, not to say that other instruments can't be great arrangers, but I, I find in general that some of these guys that play these inside voicings have always got a, a really good understanding of the big picture. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Okay. You're an 18-year-old straight out of high school. You're the top saxophone player in your city. And everyone around you is telling you, you're USC bound. You get the audition, you go, you don't get in. Mm. Is the dream over? <laughs> uh, not by any stretch, no. Um, specifically, USC is a, is a wonderful place for, for kids to be. But um, a very, very small fraction of people that want to go there get in. Um, not everybody has the means to get in. Mm-hmm. I did not have the means to pay for that, uh, to pay for that education. Right. First one to admit um, and happy to report that I got in because of scholarships and, and things like that. Um, look, there are great educations everywhere. This town is full 
of Berkeley graduates, full of University of Miami graduates, full of North Texas State University graduates. And you know what else it's full of? It's full of people from Louisiana Tech University and Mississippi State, uh, you know, and Southern and uh, and Grambling and some small liberal arts college in you know in Podunk. Uh, Kentucky or Whittier or Whittier, or Whittier Look, College. Yeah. The fact is, is that at the end of the day, you can get good information in a lot of different places, and there are esteemed professors giving really relevant um, uh, information, uh, teaching relevant information all over this country. It'd be really arrogant and very short-sighted to insinuate that the only way to get this done is to go to USC. Does it increase your odds if you're going to live in Los Angeles, if you're going to be here and, and be delivered into a network of people who are already thriving? Of course it does. Is it substantial? Of course it is. I don't necessarily think the four-year college experience is for everybody. I think some of us find ourselves on that path because of parental expectations, uh, maybe because we've, you know, we've been told that, hey, if you know, people of character, people of substance are going to go get that four-year college degree. Right. I know plenty of people in of character and substance that didn't either have the means, or or the capacity, or the or the um, the instinct yeah. to think yeah. that that was the way to get it done. Yeah. And I've been on stage with some of the most amazing musicians in this town that had absolutely not one day where they set foot in the college situation. And yeah. if that kid that came out um, from Texas or wherever he came from didn't get in, one of two things is in play. Chances are, if we didn't want him, there are nine other universities that do. Because if he was good enough to get invited to come out to USC for an he's good enough, of course, he's good enough to kill the game yeah. at a number of other great universities, yeah. and uh, you know, the, sometimes it's these minor setbacks that can really inspire us to realize the value of an opportunity where maybe we had no context before, especially if we were flying through everything. Sometimes it's the first true measure of our talent is to run up against something that we don't get. And sometimes that can be a pivoting point for, for young performers to get out there and have to re- reassess where they are that's on the, the food chain. That's the story of my life. Right? Well, we all, <laughs> we the all, story of my life. We all have uh, to reassess where we are on this food chain. And I can list yeah. 15 saxophone players right now that I will never, ever, ever be able to stand toe-to-toe with. I, I had to decide whether or not I was going to climb back in the room and go for that or realize where my strengths were right. and embrace them. It, it's, there are no straight lines. They are blissfully crooked lines. Blissfully crooked line. It is the hustle. All great stuff. Thank you. This is the time of the show where you can look to the wide and give a shout out to anyone, anything, a product, a sponsor, whatever you want. Oh. The floor is yours. I'll say hey to my kids. Hey kids. Hey Jordan. Hey Lucas. <laughs> and all my kids at USC. Love you guys. Happy to be all here right. sharing the truth. I think the, the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Well, the time has come. Oh, what is that? This is the red button. <laughs> And this is... That looks like the one from... Uh, listen, we have camera magic here. Oh, okay. It's anything but easy. Okay. It's anything but easy. Okay, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Holt joins us for Rapid Fire. I'm scared. What is this? Rapid Fire! And here's how to play. You have five seconds to answer each question. And if you don't, I'm going to press this button and you're going to hear this sound. Then we move on to the next question. Try to answer as many questions as possible. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Gumbo or menudo? <laughs> Gumbo. Logic or Pro Tools? Ooh, uh, Logic. Saxophone or singing? <laughs> singing. I like them both. Favorite book? Oh, um, 
It's anything by Brene Brown. I'm just going to press it because he was a little late. <laughs> Favorite jazz standard? Um, my one and only love. What's currently playing in your Spotify? Steely Dan. First song you ever sing in public? Uh, How Great There Are. I don't know that song. That's a hymn. <laughs> <laughs> Most embarrassing moment on stage? When I realized that the saxophone player who I was subbing for had transposed all the keyboards and didn't tell me. So when I got ready to play the gig, I was a minor third away from... Go ahead and press that for me. There it is. Favorite film score? Uh, most recently would be... Um, um, is that five seconds? I've got the name though, Alexander Desplat, King's Speech. Oh, all right. Did you see that? No, but he is my favorite for oh, Benjamin man. Button. All right, back on it. What mouthpiece is in your tenor case right now? Gordala, made by Dave, 1980s. He, see, he knows his mouthpieces. What was your teenage soundtrack? Journey. Don't stop believing. Yeah. And finally, Bruins or Trojans? <laughs> Do I need to? My brother's a Bruin. Fight on, man. Come on. <laughs> all Trojans. right. That was Rapid Fire with Sean Holt. Rapid Fire! Sean, thank you so much for being on My the pleasure, show. my pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. It was fun, it was knowledgeable. Uh, I'm gonna be attending your classes without you even knowing. I'm gonna Come sneak on. in. I'm gonna Come sneak on. in, I'm gonna sit in the back. So for more information on Sean Holt, you guys can actually go to his Instagram, at Sean Holt Music. And check out any future performances, new music. And at this time, we're gonna say, Goodbye. Thank you so much, Sean, for being on the show. So stay tuned for the next episode of the LA Music Hustle.